0: Welcome to the Purple Nights Podcast. This time around, we're going to be talking about the Thunder Times Super Deluxe Edition, specifically Discs 4, 5, and 6, the Vault Tracks. And I'm joined by the one and only Dreamy Pop Royalty. Dreamy, how are you doing today? Yeah,
1: I'm doing pretty good, ready to get this thing done. It's been a long time coming.
0: Yeah, it's been a long time for both of us. We kind of uh, took our time with the vault tracks and uh, allowed everything to sink in. So now it's time to get down to business and uh, discuss these things. So, all right, let's get started. Let me pull up my notes. And the first track is Never Take the Place of Your Man, the 1979 version. And... I'll let the lady go first.
1: Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of knew this was an older song, but I was surprised that it dated back this far. And it's, yeah, like hearing them back to back, like with a couple of these ones with multiple versions, I put them all in a playlist and I had them all back to back so I can just compare them. And you can see where bits and pieces of, where the song kind of started and how it evolved. And for me, I kind of like this older version a little bit just a little bit more just because I find the other one goes maybe a little long, but I guess this set also includes a, an edit version, so maybe I should listen to that a bit more. But yeah, this one made me think like early 80s with like a lot of sounds in it. And like I'm picking up bits and pieces of, like, like, I thought the sense kind of reminded me of that one song, Do Yourself a Favor, that was on the 1999 vault, just a little bit, and it's like, yeah, I really like the sound, but I also sometimes I miss the, the female backing vocals that you hear on, like, especially in the second verse, like, I kind of expect to hear them, and it's like, oh, it's kind of that's kind of missing. And then there's an interesting bit at the end where like you, he says, like I'll, I'll try. So he's like, if you figure in like, the, he's going to be like, all hands off, and then like here, he seems to have a change of heart. at The very end, it's a bit more evident. The second, the, the final release version, you can argue that the whole instrumental part was him kind of really thinking it over, and that he like gives the girl what she she wants from him. I guess.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right exactly i had very similar notes um to me it sounded like more like 1980 like dirty mind era than, than the 79 prince era so i'm i'm picking up more of a dirty mind sound but maybe it's a transition into that dirty mind sound uh i love the energy of the song but i I think what's lacking for me is the lead line, the main lead line that's played on keyboard, and then live versions of the horns play it as well. Uh, that little da 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 And then, yeah, yeah, you're, what you were saying about that line, uh, but I'll try. It changes the whole meaning of the song because in the release version, he's more like you say, hands off and doesn't really want anything to do with the situation, but in this version he's like but I'm gonna try, I'm gonna fight for it, so it's interesting the the change of meaning with just that one small lyric. But yeah, I like the song overall. Um, I would say I prefer the the album version just a little bit more because I like that uh, bluesy breakdown in the middle or the last third or fourth of the song. Uh, I really like that, especially on the live version on uh, the side of the times movie. That part always uh, gets me really uh, pumped and really excited when he's on that with that bluesy guitar and all that stuff. So I love that version, but this version is really cool and really uh, fun to listen to and fun to hear. So yeah, definitely a a highlight for me right off the bat. Um, and then we have the 85 version that says on the, on the notes for the track of teacher, teacher. And, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of middle of the road on this song. I mean, I like it, but it's a little, it's a little too. I don't know if I want to say corny for me, but um, yeah, the, the, it's interesting though. As I was listening to it, I was thinking of the, the disconnect or the, ju- the juxtaposition of, the sort of serious subject matter of a teacher seducing their student, and then you have the carefree music on top of it. So there's sort of a disconnect or a weird interplay between the serious subject matter of the lyrics and the carefree music. And so that's what really stood out to me. Um, negatives, I can say, it's a little repetitive. It gets a little repetitive. And it doesn't really seem that deep or meaningful to me lyrically, so it's just kind of a—I don't want to say forgettable. Forgettable might be a little harsh, but it's just kind of a song that's there for me. I don't know, um, Dreamy Pop. What are your thoughts on Teacher Teacher?
1: Yeah, it was—it's interesting. Like they—they they put this on 1999. It was like the second to last vault track. And at the very end, like, you have so many heavy hitters, and then you get, get to, like, the last couple of songs that's kind of, like, teetering out with, like, energy-wise. I didn't, like, I I wasn't familiar with the song before that, but I I really didn't, like, get into it. Like, I kind of like this version a bit better just because it's a little more filled out, a little more realized. But, yeah, as, as a song, maybe it's, for him, it's kind of null the road. It's not really, it doesn't really stand out. And I find the subject matter a little strange. Like, it's kind of in the school with Happy Birthday, Mr. Christian and a couple of those other, like, teacher-student songs that he was doing were very, very strange and slightly, slightly uncomfortable, I want to say. But it's like, kind of, Like, as a piece of music, I, I, I do kind of like it. But compared to, like, many of the other songs com- going forward, it's probably not going to...
0: Yeah, it's memorable, I guess. <laughs> right, right. So teacher teacher, for both of us, it's just kinda of there. It's kinda of weird and a little bit uncomfortable, but yeah. We'll move on because we're we're getting into some really good stuff here. Track number three, all my dreams. And this has been a fan favorite for years. Um, people have heard it on um, bootlegs and pretty much went crazy over it, and I can see why. It's, it's very it's very dreamy and very much of a parade vibe, which leads me to wonder why it wasn't held over for the eventual release of Parade Deluxe, because it sounds like it would fit way better on Parade Deluxe than it would... Um, here on Son of the Times Deluxe. Um, the lead and backing vocals are really, really good. He's, he's sort of speaking through a megaphone or whatever on the lead vocal, so you have that cool effect. And then the, the backing vocals are just really lush and layered, and the music is really um, dreamy at points and then very, very poppy. Um, With the horns and all that stuff, it's very, very parade-sounding and uh, really puts me in the mind of uh, Christopher Tracy and the the French Riviera and that whole vibe. Um, the, The monologue that he gives in the deep voice midway through the song is really cool. But for me, it was hard to make out what he was saying, so I wish that was a little bit uh, clearer. Maybe it's just my own ears. Maybe I need to have my ears cleaned or something. But I don't know. I thought it was cool, but it was hard to understand. And then there's sort of a there's sort of a funk, funky breakdown towards the end of the song. Um, the tone shifts, and you get more of a funk jam vibe. And I really, really loved that part of it. I thought that part was really uh really cool to hear so um overall for me, it's a real highlight of the set we're only three songs in, so that's that's uh pretty good voting pretty well for the the set overall for me Dreamy pop what do you think of all my dreams yeah it was a
1: it was a highlight for me too like I think i would heard of the title, but I've never heard the song before. So when it, it first started playing, it's like, like it kind of blew my mind. Like it, just the whole sound of it, I was in love immediately, and that was my my first thing I was thinking. Like, yeah, this is definitely a Dream Factory. This is definitely very Money and Lisa front and center, and it sounded almost to me like a precursor to some of their stuff as a duo, like going forward. And I'm a huge fan of their their first album and a couple of the other ones that they put out. Yep. There's some kind of fun, interesting lyrics. Like there's one where they talk about a submarine valiantly, pending, valiantly going through the virgin sea. It's like, um, it's like, don't need much imagination to know, what, know what's going on there. It's like, it's like we have that and that, child is born, will you marry me? It's like, kind of puts an interesting story into it and then we get to the halfway point with the the monologue and the the music and all that and I hate to say it it's like I I tune out a a little bit just because like maybe it reminds me of the rainbow children and the the narrator and, and that and maybe that just like tuned me out a little bit but there's beyond that there are some nice musical bits and Wendy's like, Lisa, I want you to paint the side of the train, and she does her little piano thing, and then the song kind of comes together at the end, and they make the comment, goodness will guide us if love is inside of us, and it's like, oh, it's like bringing back parades, like there's that little connection there that was kind of nice.
0: Right. I love that lyric and that, that idea of that mantra that you can repeat to yourself Goodness will guide us if love is inside us. So it's very, very, very cool. Um, anything else, or should we go on to the next track?
1: No, I just found it interesting. I was looking through the track listing for Dream Factory in one configuration. This was the last song. And at first I was thinking, well, that's kind of weird. I would put this kind of at the beginning because it almost feels like, I don't know, I'm getting kind of like Broadway show vibes and it's kind of, it kicks things off. But this, like the recent time I listened to it, it's like, I can kind of see this being at the end and kind of summing everything
0: up. So. Oh That's yeah, it. definitely. It's like the, the end of a, the end of a journey, you're leaving the real world and entering the dream world. So yeah, I could definitely see that as a, as a proper ending to an album, but yeah, it's very, very atmospheric and very interesting lyrically and musically. And like you say, the story that's woven throughout is very interesting as well. So next we go to the song that Prince sent to legendary jazz musician, trumpet player Miles Davis to add Miles's vibe to. And... It was never officially released until now, and I gotta believe the Prince estate got the, got the approval of the Miles Davis estate to release this. But I'm glad it's released. It's called "Can I Play with You?" and Dreamy Pop. What do you think of this track?
1: I mean, it might be not might not be my cup of tea. It's not one that I'm gonna probably like run run out and like grab on my iPod or anything. But I love the novelty of it. Just having a a different horn player, and especially like a legendary one, on on a Prince song. And somehow the, the two geniuses are able to come together and it works. And he, Prince kind of gives him the floor and let, gets out, out of his way and lets him do his thing. It's an interesting little come on track if you kind of listen to him, like some of the words. And <laughs> I'm thinking of stuff like... It, it reminds me of I'm um, getting vibes from Love or Money or Dance on Old Friends for Sale, um, like the song she spoke to me, like some all, all that jazz stuff that he did. Yep. And then at at the very end, he he she shouts No! And, and like oh maybe he got had got the idea to put that in Alphabet Street or something like that was the. There was
0: another connection there. Exactly, it's the same exact chart. I have that in my notes as well, um, and I'm glad he took that from an unreleased song and put it in a released song because it's a cool little, it's a cool little, you know, Prince trademark, something that only Prince could pull off. And uh, for me, it's got a, it's got a funky, almost a Camille vibe, but of course his his voice isn't altered in this track, but I could see it fitting with the Camille songs, um, based on how funky it is. Um, and I was thinking it kind of somehow lacks energy. It's, it almost reminds me of a love, sexy era track. Like you were mentioning, Dreamy, you were mentioning dance on, and I get that vibe as well. Just in, in general, uh, Love, the love sexy era in general, it sounds like that kind of sound, but it doesn't have. It's hard to explain. It doesn't have the energy or the drive of the love sexy song, um, and it's less. It's less trippy. Where I think the the love sexy sound is more trippy and psychedelic, in a way, but. It kinda of, it kinda of fits in with that vibe for me. I, I really enjoyed it. It was one that I didn't expect to enjoy all that much, but I I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. But yeah. Um and Miles Davis playing on it, like you say, two legends working together. It's a very, very cool thing. And like you said, he just Fridge just, you know, steps to the side and Let's Miles Do His Thing and it's really really cool to have these two geniuses join together on something so I'm glad the track exists and I really enjoyed it more than I thought I would but yeah that's Can I Play With You and next we have Wonderful Day and this is where we're going to kind of veer from the usual track by track approach because there's alternate versions of, of several tracks. Um, so we're going to lump the discussion of, of the alternate versions in the same discussion. So we don't have to, uh, repeat ourselves and it's kind of jumping around, but I think we're going to be able to make it work. And the first of those tracks with multiple versions is called wonderful day. And, uh, I I like this song. For some reason it made me think of can't stop this feeling I got from Graffiti Bridge. I don't know if it's um sort of the the brightness or the warmth of the song, but it's hard to explain. It made me think of that song for some reason in my head. And I also got the connection with the the drum track, the kind of stop and start Nature or sound of the drum track made me think of "Escape," the B-side of "Glam Slam" from Love, Sexy, um, and the the chanting at the end, where he's where he's uh, chanting or screaming or whatever you want to call it. It sounds very very Camille. It sounds like. It sounds like the chanting from a song like "Good Love" or something like that. So it sounds very, it sounds very much in the spirit of Camille. Um, I like the track. I'm not in love with it. It's not really a standout for me, but I enjoy it quite a bit. Dreamy, what do you think of the regular, um, the regular length version of "It's a Wonderful Day"?
1: Well, it's kind of hard to, to to think of them separate because I've been looping them back to back like the last couple of times. But
0: okay, yeah. yeah
1: I I think I prefer the longer version, but yeah, my, I I first came across it and I'm like, dang! i like, I I fell in love with it, and finding a longer version later on in the album, it's like, oh man, this is like the best thing ever. Like, I was really just feeling, feeling the vibe, and I love. A message where he's saying he pretty much says a couple of things like some things aren't working out the way he wants or you might feel things are not working out are out at the moment but you're you're alive and you're you've got to like feel blessed to be alive and and just that's that sort of thing. And one Larry that stands out he says that he wishes people could love him for who he is instead of what They imagine him to be, and he doesn't want. He's not going to (laughs) put too much effort to live up to their fantasies. It made me think of something else he said. I think it was in in one of the books that came out, saying that like you don't like when you're famous. When you don't act in a way that people expect, they they lash out because they see a reflection of themselves in you. If they you go against that. It kind of weirds them out a little bit, but he was kind of, he was probably in a really blatant mood when he was recording and he's like, heck with this! we're going to have fun. And the one thing that kind of stood out, just all the drumming and then a bass part or guitar part, I'm thinking, I heard this before, it's like, oh my god, it, it was in Under the Cherry Moon where it's before he and Tricky go out to to the club before the girls and boys scene, and the song's playing in the background. And there's no lyrics that I remember that are playing, but just that little connection, parade connection was kind of nice.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. You're right. I'd never thought of that before. But, yeah, I just made the connection just thinking about it. But, yeah, it's a very, very positive message. And I, uh, I just recently a couple of days ago did a podcast with Dwayne Tudal about his upcoming book on the parade and son of the time there studio sessions. And that's a lot of what the, that's the most of what the story of the book is about is Prince dealing with the psychology of his fame and people, people, I don't know, recognizing him or appreciating him for, himself rather than this superstar persona that he puts on so the book is about the a lot of the book is about the internal battle or the internal struggle of prince being just prince the guy versus this illusion or this image of prince the superstar and how that sort of weighed on him psychologically so your comments about you know the, the whole thing about you know him wishing they could like him for for him is is bringing up this book for me. But of course the book doesn't come out until June 10th. But I I was fortunate and honored enough to be able to read it. So I'm very excited for everybody else, Dreamy included, to read this book and and uh, get a get a view of Prince that. That not many not many outside of his inner circle got to see, and not everything is all white and roses. Um, you know they, uh, Prince is portrayed as a very human, very flawed individual, but its it's fascinating to read about, so that that just gives me um, you know it makes me think of the book in a way. And the recording of this is, is of course, is, is talked about in the book of this track. Um, the 12-inch mix is, is something that's, that's cool to have. Um, I think I think it. I think you're right. I think it is better overall than the shorter version. It seemed like when I was listening to the. 12-inch mix. Maybe my ears are playing tricks on me, but it seemed like um, the the female voice that that's doubling Prince on the lead vocal. It seemed like the female voice was higher in the mix on the 12-inch version. I don't know if that's Wendy I don't know if that's Windy or Susanna, but it seemed like to me the female voice was higher in the mix on the 12-inch version. Um and there are a few instrumental additions, a few extensions here and there that that um you know make the song longer. Um the one that sticks out to me is the longer the longer drum intro at the beginning of the song. But yeah, it's 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 cool to have and I'd say the longer version is definitely better for me. Um so yeah, that's wonderful day. And uh, then we get to to a real, for me personally, a real real highlight of the entire set, um, the the original version worked on by Wendy and Lisa, the original version of Strange Relationship, which to me is the superior version from the version that ended up on the Son of the Times album. I love the, the bongos, or whatever you'd call the drums. Um, I think they're bongos. They sound like bongos to me, but I think they were they were done on, on the synthesizer, as was the sitar, the Eastern Indian uh, sounding instrument. But I love those two editions. In the uh, in the in the mix of the song, um, the double lead vocal where you've got the the normal register and then the the falsetto or high register, um, and they're doubled, is really 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 cool. So 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 good. I love it. And then I actually love the original lyric. In the in the Southern Times album version he says, I'll take all the blame, yo baby I'm sorry. But in this version he says, I'll take all the blame, but I'm only human. And I actually like that only human lyric a little better than than Baby I'm sorry because only human is a little bit more open and a little bit more revealing to me of, you know, Prince's sense of, um, you know, guilt or his need to apologize. I think the only human lyric resonates more than, um maybe I'm sorry. So I really like that lyric a lot more. Um, the extended outro where it just goes into the groove is very very good I, it sort of puts me in a trend it's almost like a it's almost like prince of the snake charmer, and i'm the the cobra sitting there you know transfixed by this groove so it's it's really good it's really a vibe there's really a special vibe to it and i really really love it so strange relationship the original version with the with the sitar and the bongos, I love this version. Superior version for me, by far, of the song. And Dreamy Pop, what do you think of Strange Relationship?
1: Love it. I've I've always liked the song in general, and I was thought it was a missed opportunity for like a single because you can hear something like this on the radio. But I I think i I I heard a bootleg version of this or, this original one, and it's nice to have a nice quality version. And this one has like maybe a couple more minutes on it, so it's it's kind of nice to to have it in good quality. And yeah, I might I might come around on that myself. Like I I like both versions for different reasons, but having them back to back, like you you hear this one, then you hear the album version. It's like it feels like the other one has something missing. Well, obviously it does because he he tuned down Wendy and Lisa and also some of the instruments and kind of redid it as a Camille track. But but yeah, I do I do enjoy this one. And there at, at the end of the set, there's a, a remix and people can like love it or hate it. It's like I I don't mind it, but it's one of those cases where another song could have been.
0: In, in its place. And it's, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I feel the same way. It's cool to have but yeah, it should have been it should have been swapped out for something different. I don't know what it could have been different but um, yeah, it's it's kind of redundant or I don't want to be harsh and say it's pointless because I know on Twitter I I was talking about that some of the tracks were pointless and, and you were kind of, you were kind of joking with me, you know, that it was saying that Prince songs were pointless was blasphemy and all this. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it kind of is on some level, but. Yeah. Like I'm not
1: that
0: some, of these, some of these tracks I'm like, why are they here? You know, and the remix is one of those tracks. It's cool to have, but yeah, there should have been something else in its place i think um maybe even they couldn't even put the the live version of strange relationship from the bootleg for those of you on volume which i absolutely love it's my second favorite bootleg of all time from prince um and i know we're not supposed to Legally, we're not supposed to champion bootlegs or anything, so I just want to say that anybody, you know, paying for bootlegs and all that is is totally wrong, and uh we don't advise it and we don't sanction it. But yeah, that that version of Strange Relationship for for those of you on volume would have been a better addition, I think, than the than the Shep Pettibone remix, but. Anything else to add, Dreamy, on the, either the the first version or the remix version? You
1: no, know, I just wanted to say the remix, like I almost want to call it like the, the the 80s boy band remix, because I'm getting like either New Kids on the Block or New Edition vibes, like some of the the instrumentation on it. And it's clearly from like, a, they're clearly programmed, but whatever. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the boy band version—that sounds exactly right, exactly on point. So yeah, and then we have one of the uh, one of the first instrumentals on the set. The first instrumental on the set, um, and it's more of a brief segue that was part of the uh, track listing for the aborted or I shouldn't say aborted, but unreleased Dream Factory album. Uh, And this is Visions. This would have been a segue that opened the Dream Factory album. And normally, in general, I'm not much on instrumentals. Um, I don't know. I just prefer music with lyrics in general. But I noticed for myself listening to these songs, or in preparation for the podcast, I noticed that there were several instrumentals on here that I really I really kind of enjoyed, and I'm, I'm just going to say I have two, point, two brief points to make, and that's pretty much it. But I, first of all, I've, I've got to give props to Lisa Coleman, because she plays piano beautifully, Um, other than Prince I can't imagine somebody playing piano um, that I like more than Lisa, her style and um, you know just the way she plays is absolutely beautiful so um, props to Lisa Coleman Lisa we love you Um, and as I was listening to Visions I was reminded of the instrumental Venus de Milo on the Parade album. But I actually like Visions better than Venus de Milo. So it's like, to me, it's like Visions is a better version of Venus de Milo in a way. So those are really the only points I had. Uh, Dreamy, what are your thoughts on Visions? Well,
1: when, when I first came across it, and I'm, not much was happening other than piano like I know what song this is, and it was it, it was just really pretty and it yeah, this is one other one it's like it's nice to listen to, and it kind of sucks that they don't go on for much longer, but yeah for for me with this one, I was it's not exactly the same i I listened to this next to another song, just to check something out, but I might be wrong, but I don't know it, it kind of reminds me of. Some of the piano work she does on Power Fantastic, I thought maybe it was like, like a precursor for that, or just another version of that. But it was that was the kind of vibe I was getting.
0: Yeah, that makes sense because Power Fantastic has just a few tracks here down the line, and they they present these songs in the order that they were recorded. As far as I know, on the on the super deluxe set, the vault tracks are presented. In the order in which they were originally recorded, so you could be onto something there with that connection between visions and power. Fantastic, but yeah, beautiful, beautiful song. Props to Lisa Coleman. Um, great, great stuff. Um, and then next for me, we have we have kind of a pointless track, I guess. It's one of Prince's best. Album tracks, The Ballad of Dorothy Parker. And I guess he just had Eric Leeds throw horns on it just to see what it would sound like. But to me, it doesn't fit the song. It sounds really weird and really out of place. And like I say, it's cool to have. I'm grateful to have it. But they could have replaced it with something else. So I don't really see... You know, horns to me don't really add to the song all that much and I hate to sound like a bibby Downer, but for me it's just like, you know, why is this here? You know, it's it's you know, I don't know. I don't wanna to get too negative, but Dreamy, what do you think of Dorothy Parker with horns?
1: Well it was nice to have. Um, I came came across it the first time and like like ooh, this is a song I recognize and it's like ooh, then the the horns come in. And the the one thing I kind of found, like, I really like the song in general. Like, it's one of my favorite Sign of the Time songs. And most, that's mainly because of the story. It's a real funny story. It's cheeky, in a way. And I find this version with the the horns on top of it, I find I'm not listening to the lyrics as much. I'm just kind of enjoying the music and how the little horn accents happen here and there, and it kind of, I don't know, it's you know, not to say that the other version's incomplete, but it's like it gives it another dimension. I kind of enjoy it, but I can see myself maybe, if I listen to it too much, I'm I might tire of it. And like the, some of the horn lines, are kind of like, they get repetitive after a bit, and I might get to a point where it's like, okay, I'm kind of sick of just hearing that, that part over and over again. But like just in the context of like the ball disk it was just a fun little thing to come across, I guess.
0: So yeah, yeah, definitely. So next we come to for me again, I don't want to sound like I'm repeating myself, but a a major, major highlight for me is witness for the prosecution. And the first version is just to me, is just incredible. It's dirty, dirty funk. And that bass line is like, oh my god, incredible. Like, in your face, you know, crank up the bass and just groove to it, you know? I just, I absolutely love it. And the the backing vocals, you know, they sound like, you know, as I'm playing the. The story of the song out in my head, or if I'm envisioning my own personal music video to the song, I can almost see um, a church choir being in place in the jury, in the jury box in the courtroom, and dumping out the background vocals, um, which are really, really good. Um, I imagine. It's uh Wendy Lisa and Susanna, I believe, are the background vocalists and it could be even more people, but I know those three are definitely in there. And the background vocals are so good and the the guitar the guitar solo is just fortune. I mean, it's on fire, the guitar, I mean just amazing, amazing stuff. And then the drums. The drums are just pounding, and they're just so, so awesome. And I love the the nice touch of the little horn runs um, in there towards the end. Um, yeah, overall, just a great, great song and a definite highlight for me, um, version one of Witness for the Prosecution. So, Dreamy, what are your thoughts on... Um, this version of the song.
1: I, th- I think between the two, I, th- I think I prefer the second one a bit more. But I think this one's growing on me a bit. Like they both have different things that I'm drawing. To. I'm, like the the of the the main, where this guitar base. Like I'm thinking of, it makes me think of the song Dreamer he put out like way later in his career. And the yeah, the laid back vocals. The horn, and the guitar still has a nice melody to it, and like it has a nice warm sound to it. So, yeah, I find this one growing up, and then the other one, other version, kind of has an interesting. it it, it kind of, he kind of flips it on its head, like they are two sides of the same coin, kind of like what he did with another song. He put, did two different versions of, and the yeah, and the, the second version I'm like uh, my first thought was black album. Like the guitar makes me think there's a teeny bit a guitar in the song dead on it, and that kind of repeats throughout the song. And then he makes a comment like give give me the like I'm gonna get the electric chair. And he says. And, and then another point he, later on, he gets like more and more desperate. Like like don't I I forget the actual lyric, but he says. Don't give me solitaire, or don't or something.
0: But right, yeah, it's
1: right. the two back to back same song, but the music kind of gives it a each version a different vibe. So that's, that's a neat little thing about the set, I would say.
0: Yeah, and for me, the second version, the second version is cool. It sounded to go off your comment about the black album, Dreamy. It sounded. It reminded me a lot of Bob George, so I can oh, yeah. definitely I can definitely feel that sort of funky darkness to it. Um it was very, very cool and I, I love the the vocals by Prince and like you said, as it goes on he gets more and more desperate and more and more impassioned. And there's also great guitar work in the second version as well, but um I'm glad to hear that first version is growing on you more because to me, that's absolutely, it's absolutely amazing. It just blows my mind, but I liked the second version a lot too. And then we get to Power Fantastic, which um, finally has the, the introduction, the not only the, the musical introduction, but we get to hear, Prince's spoken instructions to the band um, before they they launch into the song, which is absolutely amazing to hear. Anytime I get to hear Prince's speaking voice, is such a treat and such a gift, and it's so special to be able to let up, be able to be let in on such an intimate moment in the studio. So. Really, really cool to hear that. Um, the tune up is really, really cool. You know, it's just it's basically just instruments tuning up, but in the same t- in the at the same time, there's sort of a build up or a crescendo that seems almost it seems almost sexual in a way. You know, it seems like it's the, you know the passion, the intensity is building. And I really, really feel that in the tune up, so that's really, really cool as well and then the music is just when he, when he starts in the piano and the main melody and Bobby on the drums and everybody it's just so so beautiful and so haunting and um Princess falsetto on this song is so um. it's it's pretty much perfection to me. I mean, it can't get much better as far as Prince singing in falsetto. And it's so, there's such a tenderness to it and a passion um, that, that gives me chills. You know, it's such a dreamy um, ethereal song and you really get lost in it. And then, Again, you know, the passion, you know, it, it makes me think of, you know, intimacy with your partner or the person you love, you know. It, it gives me those vibes. And then the flute that comes in that I'm, I'm pretty sure is Eric Leeds. The flute is amazing. I love it. And, you know, towards the end, you know, Prince, Prince, you know, with the vocals is pretty much pleading for love and it's just so passionate and so emotional and the ending, the way it ends, is just perfect. And overall, the song just gives me chills and I remember when I got done listening to it, I just had to sit there for a good 30 seconds and soak it all in because it's, it's an experience in and of itself. So definitely one of the the absolute, absolute highlights of the set for me. But Dreamy, what do you think of Power Fantastic? Yeah, this was a,
1: in general, this was a song I discovered really late. Like, I discovered it, like, (laughs) post-2016. And I think I heard about it on a podcast. I'm like, oh, let me see if I have my my various bootlegs I did have. And it was one of those like took my breath away type moments, and it's like, I felt like I don't know, it, it's hard to describe. I felt like it was something else, and it's nice to have another version. It's um, always for these kind of moments where you actually hear him giving instructions or just talking before the actual do it. Like, and I think, think it took, I didn't get the opportunity to like crank up the volume on. My, my earbuds to like, really hear him, but it's cool hearing this and that. He says, no, just trip. there are no mistakes. This is the, the fun track. <laughs> and so uh, then we we have the big build-up, and it's like at, at first it was a little, maybe a little jarring just because I'm so used to the other version that, that officially came out, but I, I did I, I am warming up to that a little bit. and I, I think Susan Rogers talked about on another podcast she said, talked about the recording of this one and how he was in, he was in the studio engineering and he was huddled in a corner with a microphone recording his vocal. And, I, and I'm thinking, well, his vocal feels a little more free with the official version. And this one I can kind of see where he's holding back just a little bit. And, like, there, there are some moments, like, with the official version where you get certain notes, like, on that chorus, like, it just hits you. Like,
0: it, it again,
1: hard, hard to really describe. You just feel it. But it, it's nice to have this version with the intro and it kind of gives you a look inside the studio, that sort of thing.
0: Right, right. And then we have another short little instrumental that was also I believe included on one of the configurations of the dream factory album. And it's, and that says what, um, the only comment that I have in my notes for this one is that it reminds me of now's the time, which is the jazzy instrumental interlude we hear in the sound of the times movie. Um, but it reminds me of that, but it's, to me, this is better than that is. So um, that's literally the only note that I have for this track. So, Dreamy, what do you think of, and that says what? Yeah, the,
1: the one thing that kind of stood out to me was just the the James Brown vibes that I was getting from it. I can kind of imagine friends just on, on the stage with this one re- rehearsing and just like, like, putting some dance moves on. And the whole title, like, the title comes in because he says it at the very end, and that's probably what he wrote on the tape. But that was something he said in Under the Cherry Moon a couple of times, I think. Like, once at the beginning, where he's... It's like... And that says what... saying she gets a $50 million fund when she turns 21, and then at the end, where... She, he's talking smack to Isaac Sharon. He's like, and that says what? And that says, I'm going to take something from you. So it's it's something he was clearly saying a lot at the time I guess put it down on or something while he was they were randomly playing in the studio one day.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely, I do recognize that line from the movie a couple times. Yeah. So it's a good little instrumental track not one of the not one of the standouts for me on the set, but it's it's cool to hear and cool to have. And then we have a track that was meant for Sheila E. But um, I don't think we're even sure if, if Sheila recorded her own vocals or not for this. She might have, but it's called Love and Sex, and it's different from the Love and Sex track that was on the... Purple Rain Deluxe in 2017. This is a this is an entirely different song. But Jamie, I'll let you go first on this one. What are your thoughts on love and sex?
1: Well, I, I listened to the two back to back because I I really didn't remember the Purple Rain Vault version one that well, and I I just remembered that it was one I didn't really care for that much because he shouts most of it. This one I I much prefer, and I. I find that it's, when I listen to it, it sticks in my head, and I think there was like two or three times in, I think, I, w- I was starting to sing the chorus, like I, it was just really sticking in my head, it's very, very catchy, get, gets into my brain. Yeah, a couple of things, like the, I like the full the clap sound with the re- reverb behind it in the chorus, like that's a, a cool little thing the melody kind of reminds me of stuff from Emancipation, oddly, enough, which is interesting. Huh. But yeah, this is one that I think has is kind of, it, it might be one I just come back to when I'm in the
0: mood for it. Like, I don't know what
1: it is. I just kind of kind of enjoy it.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the main thing, I really like this song as well, and the main thing that I got listening to it was the same the same kind of vibe as Empty Room. I don't know. It has, it has sort of that big, you know, um, grandiose kind of, you know, arena rock, you know, warehouse um, sort of sound to it. And I don't know, it's, it's hard to explain. It's hard to put my finger on, but it just, it just reminded me of Empty Room a lot. And then, the two things that stuck out stuck out to me were very passionate vocals, which I absolutely loved, and then the guitar solo towards the end was really, really amazing, really fire. So I really loved those two elements of the song. And so, yeah, it's a really, it's a really, really good song. I'd love to to hear Sheila's version someday because of course we know it was written for her so I'd love to hear her version one day and then we get to sort of a shorter um, really beautiful short and sweet track called A Place in Heaven and there's two separate versions of this song on the Super Deluxe set as well so the first one we get is, is Prince's vocal, and it's just—it's really, really, really good. I mean, hear Prince sing like this is really, really good. It's short and sweet. Um, you know, the message of the song, you know, really, really makes you think and. I don't know. I just really, I really like the song in general, and Prince's version is the one I prefer. I think Lisa's version is is good, and I know Prince wrote the song with with Lisa in mind to sing it. He wanted Lisa to sing it. Uh, there's also a Jill Jones version out there, and uh, you know, floating around on bootlegs. There's a Jill Jones version. But um, yeah, we get Prince's vocal on this set, and then we get Lisa's vocal. And Lisa's vocal is good, but I think I prefer Prince's. Um, I don't know; that's just a matter of preference. But Dreamy, what do you think of "A Place in Heaven"?
1: Yeah, first time I heard it, I heard it like right away. Uh, But yeah, I can't. Obviously, I want an order. But I, like, I'm like thinking, I think this was, I, I thought I remembered that Lisa did this one. So it was nice to, like, I think I was on the the third desk where her version comes in. And I felt like the song suits her vocal range better. And I kind of just, maybe it's the music I felt like maybe it was kind of similar to her, her stuff with Wendy as a duo. But at the same no. time, recent lessons, like I, I, I'm like half wish I could somehow like mix the two versions together because I find what certain lines, like I think was the second, one of the other verses, just the, the way that Prince sings and just how he follows the melody. I think he so it was a step down instead of going a step up within it, I think I like it better on it. And, yeah, it's, like, nice. It it probably would have been, like, a huge highlight on the Screen Factory album if that that had never come out, and it kind of, it's another one that kind of sums up that whole vibe that they were were going with at the time. But, yeah, yeah, it's, it's...
0: it's, it's so freaking pretty. I love this one. Yeah, it is really pretty. It is really pretty. It's nice. It's it's really, really good. I enjoy it. And then we get to another instrumental segue. Before, we had Lisa highlighted with visions on the piano, and this time we have Wendy highlighted on the guitar with a track called Colors. And... um yeah, not really much to say about this one. It's short and sweet. Um, you know, just some some jazzy guitar noodling, and it sounds really, really nice. Um, it gave me a vibe of the Rainbow Children, which is obviously much later in Prince's career. But that's the vibe it gave me. Sort of the warm, uh, the warm jazzy guitar sound. Of the Rainbow Children, it's nice, but it's definitely not one of the standouts for me on the set. But it's a nice segue to have, and for people that want to put together the Dream Factory album, um, which technically you really can't do even with these set, even with this set because there are some slightly slight differences in, in different versions of the song, but um, they tried to include all the all the Dream Factory segues, you know, so people would be able to sequence their own Dream Factory album. So that's why this is on here. But yeah, nice little segue with jazz guitar. I like it, but I kind of uh, gloss over it a little bit to be honest. Uh, no disrespect to Wendy. I absolutely love Wendy and I love her skills, the guitarist. So, no offense to those, but um, yeah. But it's a cool little segue. Dreamy, what do you think of colors?
1: I was just, I was thinking like that is it's not long enough. I kind of, I want a little bit more. But what other than that, like I, I agree. I was thinking either it'll give me vibes from The Truth or The Rainbow Children, like very very similar
0: jazzy guitar stuff going on. Other than that, I don't have any much else to add. Yep. Yep. And then we have one of the most blacklist things that I could think of to ever come out on any Prince release, which is an edit of Crystal Ball. And, um, yeah, you can tell I'm, I'm sort of angry about this, but dreamy, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you start this one. What do you think of the seven-inch mix of Crystal Ball?
1: It's not long enough. I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> we have to yeah. have it on somewhere, but it's like you—it's like you guys do know that you're catering to die-hard friends to right? And you know that we're going to want the long version, but yeah, it's probably not one I'm going to be listening to all, to all that much, just because like most of us have. The full-length version. So why bother with this? But it's, I mean,
0: it's nice to have. But it's like, uh, I, I feel bad. I can't really add too much else. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, I was, I was listening to it. Okay, it's a, it's an edit, but an epic song like Crystal Ball, you can't really, you can't really edit it, you know, and and do it justice. So it's like. I went back and forth in my head between thinking of this and I'm thinking of the the album edit of Computer Blue versus the the uh the always speech edit.
1: Oh yeah. And
0: and but the difference is the difference is that the computer blue edit is is well done but I, I still prefer the longer version. The longer version is the version for me, the same I feel and I feel the same way with Crystal Ball, but for some reason the the shorter version of Computer Blue, the way that it's edited, it works. It's okay. It works as its own single edit, but this edit of Crystal Ball is just absolutely absolutely blasphemous and absolutely pointless. It's like, why even have it on here? I mean, I know you had to have the song represented in some way because it's, you know, the crystal ball side of the times now, oh, but I mean, come on. And I know that the song was already released in full on the 1998 crystal ball compilation which I'm hoping will be reissued in the next year or two by Sony so maybe that's why they didn't or couldn't include the full version on here but including an edit is just like it's a it's an offense to diehard Prince fans in my, in my point of view so yeah I got a little upset with, with having it on here but I can see why they'd have it on here from a from a completest point of view, but overall it just doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, moving on. Uh, Big Tall Wall. Another song where we have we had two versions um, on the set. Version one, I'll just say I really, really like it. It has a it has a nineteen sixties British invasion vibe to it with like the Beatles or the Rolling Stones or the Searchers or a band like that um, I love the the playful backing vocals and the the way that they interplay with the lead vocal and um, it's just a it's a very very fun song musically um, as I was talking with Dwayne Tudall about it. You know, he mentioned that the, the lyrics are, if you read into them, you know, really closely, they're really disturbing because it talks about, you know, keeping, keeping a woman prisoner and basically holding her captive. And that's what true love is all about, which, no, it's not. It's exactly the opposite uh, of true love, but um yeah, but this version is very cool, uh, '60s British invasion type vibe, and I really like it. Dreamy. What are your thoughts on version one of Big Tall Wall? Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it's. I think I, as I first heard about this on uh, the the official French podcast, talking like from the estate and had various people involved with the project talking about it. It was the first time I heard about it and Susanna was talking about it and she's like, Oh, there's trouble in paradise. He's like he's he's not feeling something that's going on with us. It's and it's kind of weird, like it's all it's cheery and happy in this version. And it's like I it's like I echo your comment. I call it the George Harrison version because it has some like Indian instrumentation, as has some guitar and some other stuff in it. But yeah, it's like it's really happy really happy music, and the lyrics are like not—they don't quite match. And then we have version two, which like I almost prefer the version two because it's grittier, it's a little, it's a little darker, and he's a little more sadistic. And he's—he's he's like, yeah, I have another girlfriend, but I'll make room for you, and I have more holes than a golf course. And, <laughs> And all kinds of weird stuff is going on, um, but it's like, I oddly
0: like it. I not really explain why. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, this, the second version, I mean, you nailed it perfectly. It's more, it's it's grittier, it's darker. I've got in my notes that it, it sounds more trippy. Um, yep. And it's yep. a lot more haunting um, than, you know, the first version is with that, you know, that really sparse kind of echoey drum beat. And I, I love the, the falsetto vocal, his choice to do the, you know, the verses in falsetto versus his regular, you know, chest voice in the first version. I love the falsetto version. So yeah, to me, version two is the, Superior version, because, like you say, um the vibe of the music fits with the fits with the lyrical content a lot better, so there's less of a there's less of a disconnect or a jarring you know a jarring disconnect between the lyrics and the music so, yeah version two is definitely in my mind the superior version. So then we have a cool little segue, and I'm going to try it. Try and pronounce this, but it won't be. It won't be actually the words backwards, but I'm just going to call it "Never Need a Culpa," uh, a place in heaven backwards, and it's a little segue with. With um, I think Lisa is during the main singing, but I think Wendy is in there as well, either harmonizing or saying something. I don't know. I didn't listen to it forward, which I probably should have, you know, to have a more complete, um, you know, view of it heading into this podcast, but it's, it's a really cool little segue and I love the, the warm tones of the church organ uh, in the background of it, and it, saw, it makes me think of um, the Purple Rain album. Of course, the obvious connection is Let's Go Crazy with the Church Organ intro, but also Darling Nikki, in the sense that both, both, of, the, both of these tracks, Darling Nikki and this segue both incorporate backwards messages that are either from or about God or Jesus. So it's it's a real cool little um, spiritual segue for the Dream Factory album. So I I enjoy it. I need to listen to it played forward. Um, But the way it is backwards, I enjoy it uh dreamy what do you think of this little segue
1: i kind of forgot that it was meant to be a segue um yeah the first time i heard it i i didn't mind it so much i was kind of, I, I kind of figured out what it was after like a few seconds and then on another listen like it just completely threw me off because i wasn't expecting it now i've kind of I'm warmed up to it a little bit i guess it's it's an interesting lesson, and yeah, I was I was thinking the same thing, like Darling Nikki, how you, know, you had that backwards part at the very end, where it's, there's like a, a spiritual message at the end of a, a weird song that's kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum, but I don't really have much else to really add with this one. I think it's, it's probably not one I would listen to in the context of this whole set, I might I mean, I've put it in a medley with the other two versions of A Place in Heaven,
0: so that's all, that's all right. I have. Right, that makes sense to put it in a medley with the other two versions of A Place in Heaven. Right, that makes complete sense. So, yeah, um, and then we have one of the fan favorites for years when this was only on bootleg, and Finally, officially released in this set. We have a in a large room with no light. Um, Dreamy, I'll let you go first on this one. What are your thoughts on in a large room with no light?
1: No, it was the first time I was I was hearing the song. I've heard about it in circles, but I didn't know what to expect. But once once it started going, it's like, oh, dude! Like it was another huge highlight right away. I was. I don't know, I was immediately thinking, I don't know, like, floor show or something, like, I I, I don't want, the like, cruise ship usually meant as, like, not a compliment, but it, it was making me think of, like, either like a floor show, like, on a cruise ship or in Vegas, and they're just, they're kicking it off, and they're, like, all the dancers come out, and they're, like, doing samba or cha-cha to it, and just a huge, a, and just, the whole the whole vibe is
0: like I'm, I'm I revel in it I love it. It's weird because I had I got the exact same impression I have in my notes. Latin dancing, ballroom dancing, um, dancing with the stars type song. Um, I could see them featuring this song on Dancing with the Stars if they ever had a Prince night, and just because of the carefree. Um, sort of European vibe to it. It sort of gives me a, a parade vibe for some reason. I don't know why, but it does. And then the other main point I wanted to bring up with this one was the, the, rock, the rock breakdown, sort of where it, it transitions into rock at the very end, and you have that awesome little saxophone part at the end, I really, really enjoyed that and didn't really see it coming, but I loved the the transition into that whole rock vibe and then the little saxophone elements at the end were absolutely great. Um, So, yeah, I love this song, too. I need to get more into the lyrics. The lyrics are, are pretty deep, I'm thinking, because a lot of people... A lot of people have commented, it and commented on it, you know, through the years, you know, and it's like, did you ever think your life was like, like looking for a penny in a large room with no light? So I need to reflect on that a little more and see what meaning that conjures up for me. But yeah, um, great song overall and a highlight, a highlight of the set.